Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, And still have no audio from you. Do you? Oh, there we go. There we are. Whatever you did there, worked. Do that again next time. <laughs> uh, None me, of this is reproducible. Me... <laughs> <laughs> like all of our stuff. Our best moments, unreproducible. Well, to be honest, most of them should not be reproduced by anybody under any circumstances. Good to hear your voice, Doc. Yeah, man. And you, Mr. Beasley? It's been a month. It's been a long time. It's been a month at least. I've been touring. You've been on tour. You've been on on the summer festival circuit, Gladstone. (laughs) (laughs) It falls down there, doesn't it? Gladstone. Gladstone. Morton Bay Islands. Unable to go home because the fucking tornado ripped up your house. Yeah. Hobart. Yes. I was just talking to a guy down the road who ended up having two generators, multiple power boards, and I said, you must own a lot of extension leads now. And he's like, yes. So, was everything completely uh, fucked or was there a lot of damage or was it just lost freezes oh, yeah, and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, there were shitloads of damage. I, uh, the, the wife sent me down to buy a... Uh, like a second-hand outdoor furniture setting yesterday and I drove through Upper Coomera and they're still clearing roads down there and it was a month ago. Um, yeah, it, it, it fucks some shit up. So- and now everything everything's just w- so wet that all it needs is a slight breeze and a tree will fall over. Well, you know, you, all that land clearing you were going to do, you know, all that <laughs> you did at vast expense, you could have just waited a bit and just <laughs> fucking thing would have been cleared out. <laughs> Uh, so where where are we going to start today, Doc? We, we should probably warm up with our usual basketball nonsense because we yes. haven't talked we haven't talked basketball for a good four to five weeks and various stuff. The last time we podcast was the it was the fucking in season tournament, so that tells you how far long ago <laughs> it was. Back when the Lakers were the best team in the NBA and the Pacers yeah. were the next best team, and definitely didn't need a trade to to re, uh, to rejuvenate their year. Well, at least Masai finally pulled the trigger. Like we, yeah. <laughs> we were sort of saying sh- shit or get off the pot, and he and he did one or the other. We're not sure which it is yet. Well, but- yeah, but he did and he didn't. I mean, the the between since the last time we recorded, the Raptors have traded away basically the the last remnants of their twenty nineteen title winning team. Unless it, apologies to all Chris Boucher stands out there uh, with uh, OG Ananobi going to the Knicks and getting back. Uh, RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly and some some picks and Pia- Pascal Siakam going this last week to the the rap to the uh, Pacers for again a bag of picks and some young players. Uh, the young players are the, is the interesting part because it seems that they're not willing to do that full um, let's you know hit absolute bottom ground out. They still want to field some kind of competitive team while they rebuild. And to be honest, that seems to be the way to do it because the teams that are the worst teams in the fucking NBA. Um, did it because they're incompetent, not because they're actually rebuilding. Yeah, and they've also gone the 
uh, uh, you can at least cheer for a Canadian yes. <laughs> methodology. Let's let's get RJ. Like the, the Warriors must be going. Look, you know, if it was a distressed Canadian asset that you wanted, we've we've got one sitting to sitting here. If you'd like him, he's what a yes. ring. Um, I don't know. Dennis, I, th- I thought a distressed Canadian asset was like Drake or something. <laughs> um, seems to have worked all around though. Like. RJ's enjoying being able to do whatever he likes with no pressure, and yeah. and OG's helping the Knicks. So yeah, the, the Knicks are like six and two since he joined them. Like some, like they've been really, really good since since he he jumped aboard. So um, that's worked for them. Is the is the league so deep now that you can't just sort of bludgeon teams with talent? It's also about the mix. Like I was thinking about the Cavs and the Knicks, right? The Cavs. Lost two very talented players and just went. Oh yeah, we'll just go on a we'll just go on a, a, an eight two run six, or something. Yeah, six game winning streak. Who's beat the Hawks? They're very sad Hawks. Um, that's not gone well. Uh, yeah, the the Cavs have finally turned it on, which is interesting. Yeah, and it's sort of it's sort of like well, the you know we've we've got less talent on the court, but the pieces fit better together. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and you that- see that every time that the the Raptors trade someone. Next man up has a has a has a career game. It's it's yeah. odd how a little bit more sunlight just makes you know the green shoots sprout uh, in the places that that were not available previously. So so the Pacers and Knicks have made their move. Who yeah like the the Phillies sort of got to do something because the season's going so well that it would be criminal not do they? Well, okay. So there's like two two theories on this, right? It's like do, do they have enough? And you know, is there uh, anybody out there who can make a difference? Well, that's the thing, right? The the the, the it's the the twin Bogdanoviches that are just sitting there for everyone. I think that's that's mm-hmm. the the two players that everyone wants. You know, someone that can shoot shoot their way out of you know a, a tied game right at the end of a you know a close one. So you know, a, a gunner essentially. Um, and I don't know. The, the Hawks have delusions that they might become a decent team. I guess they're in the. They're well, the same. That, that's the only thing stopping them from tearing it down completely, isn't it? Because they've yeah. got one of the Bogdans, they've got Dejounte yeah. Murray, who the Lakers have designs on, and and Dejounte Murray has done nothing but add to his trade value over the last week with a couple of game winners and just generally. Yeah. But uh, kind of the highlight performance. I was uh, I saw the highlights of a uh, Blazers. Who were, who were the Blazers playing yesterday? But um, Jeremy Grant went for like forty. Two points, and I thought, "There's a there's a shop window game. There's a come and get me plea. That, that's basically we're just going to give you the ball all day, every day, because we want to elevate your trade value and get you the fuck out of here, brother." Meanwhile, Zach Levine's got another you know small injury keeping him off the court for exactly the same reason. Please, please don't damage your trade value any further. <laughs> Stay away from the team. The thing is, I think I think they've gone too far with that because. What is Zach Levine's trade value? Because no one has seen him do anything cool recently, and there is a recency bias to, to this. Even though we're yeah. dealing with professionals, people are kind of like, "I'd rather the, the new shiny than the guy who, you know, was good in a dunk contest in you know 2016." Kind of shit. The playing really does warp people's brains, right? Because the Bulls and the Hawks are, are the classic example of teams that are like, "Yeah, well, if we if we can get it get our shit together for one week, we can." 
you know, we can knock off a Celtics or a Bucks. And look, the Bucks absolutely, absolutely might be that team because they're the worst looking 29 and 13 team. They are in the history. worst looking two seed in the history. Of the- because everyone is saying the Bucks are in crisis. The Bucks are terrible. The Bucks are fucking, yeah, you know, they- what are the Bucks going to do? They need to oh. trade. They need to do this. And then you look at their record and they're like second and yep. better than the 76ers. And <laughs> you're like, I, I don't know what I'm seeing here, but you look at today where they put 140-odd points up and Dame had 45 and all this sort of stuff, but they needed all that to beat the Pistons. Yeah, and th- I think that's the, the difference, particularly against Philly, where, you know, Joel's getting 40 by three-quarter time and sitting out the lap, you know, the, the fourth quarter. The, the 76ers, when they win, are winning very powerfully, I guess. Mm. You know, it doesn't look like a a record scratch trying to just get over the line against the Pistons or, the or um, you know, they, I think they had a close game against Portland not that long ago. And, yeah, just the Bucks just seems like, you know, it's an absolute grind and but the, the Dane weird thing has about it the some Bucks, nights and doesn't have it the other. The th- weird thing about the Bucks is they don't look like they're efforting. It just looks like they don't really have their shit together. It's not like they're trying really hard to be – and only just scraping out their wins. It's like they're kind of stumbling around, not quite sure what they're up to, and just getting by on their talent, which to me says there's a massive ceiling where they, where they can improve. It's just whether you believe that they can improve because, uh, you know, new coach doesn't really know what he's doing. No, um, and, and this, is, this is, I think, where, like, I know you sort of feel a little less strongly about coaches' difference makers than I do, but you look at teams like... The heat, the paces, like even even the even the Knicks have a very clear idea of what they're going to do with their talent, and it just seems like the Bucks aren't maximising their their assets. Like you look at Nick Nurse, how much more he's getting out of essentially less because they traded away Harden, and they haven't done anything with the bits and pieces that they got back. Right, the theory was that you trade. The bits and pieces for Harden, and then trade those bits and pieces for another star player, and they actually but was Harden the again, like you said right at the start of the pod. Harden hmm. being there was probably it, it. It pushed you down playing a particular way of basketball, and it wasn't necessarily the best way of playing. So subtracting yeah, Harden wasn't necessarily, and you saw how long it took the Clippers to figure out playing with Harden. It was fifteen to twenty games where they were bullshit. They were garbage, and now they are tremendous. But it's not because Harden is tremendous. It's just because they've managed to get the 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 four alpha ecosystem to work better. Yeah, I, I do think you know you, you can tell the difference between a Ty Lue and uh, Adrian Griffin, Griffin. because yeah, like I mean he's been he's been on the job three weeks, and that's why I'm always gonna I would always be more likely to give him more time. But oh, it's, it's currently de- it's he's not he's not a value add, is he? It's definitely Missoula vibes from last year, right? Where the, the dude was like not calling timeouts and wandering around with a lost expression on his face. And they get, you know, within the last 30 seconds of a game and, you know, Spolstra or the fourth Musketeer, like those guys have, you know, they're like a, an NFL quarterback with the little thing on their arm. You know, they've got a million side, side out of bounds plays to, to get them the bucket that they need to do. And the Celtics are yeah. like, I'll oh, just throw it to Tatum and let him, let him turn around and do the Kobe thing. Uh, like it's those little things. Like, oh, you know, you watch, you watch, um, OKC because I've been watching a little bit of OKC on my break. And if there's a stoppage, they just almost always score. It's, you know, they just have easy shit that they can run, you know. We're going to do, you know, is that this, because this of the slob wizard? 
the uh, recently cleared by the cops slob wizard. Uh, no, I think it's a, well. I, I think he doesn't hurt, but I think it's just because they have a, a set lot of plays that that they know really well. Like we they should just probably do that explain what shit. a slob wizard is. To be honest, sideline out of bounds, which was it was coined by John Hollinger, wasn't it? And it was it was coined yes. to refer to Josh Giddy, who was uh, the police have recently decided not to prosecute for uh, fiddling with underage girls. Mm. Um, the NBA might still do some stuff. Uh, Giddy apparently hates the nickname Slob Wizard, so therefore he'll have the nickname Slob Wizard for for as long as we do this podcast, (laughs) because you floppy-haired fuckwit, what the fuck were you doing? I I couldn't see him at that that Chet High School um, number retirement, and I was just like, because, you know, there's a little bit of goss out there that him and Chet don't go, I know what, well, I wonder whether I don't he think just it's didn't goss. go. I, he- you can see it on the fucking field. I remember the, the yeah. game where, do you remember the game? It was, it was weeks ago, it might be months ago, but Guinea threw, a, again, a sideline out of bounds pass to Chet to get a three to take a game against the Warriors to overtime. To overtime, yeah. And Chet completely blanked Giddy in his celebration of the moment that Giddy was arguably part of, given that he managed to slot a bullshit ball around, you know, three defenders getting the ball. They've never looked like they're on the same um, the the same wavelength for the entire season. And maybe and maybe Chet just, just really isn't into kitty fiddlers. He's got that. Well, he's, he's printed out the Epstein list, and he's like all these people. He's putting a line through them, like Steve Buscemi in Happy Madison. No, um, Billy Madison. Happy Madison is the is the production company. The, the thing with the Thunder. With Giddy though, is he's just something a bit different, and I just don't think they're going to punt him for you know more picks, a la Presti style. Um, but the interesting thing, I, was- I think they they're not they're not going to because he's you know because of that whole grossness around him. I think that was the biggest yeah. issue. You certainly uh, couldn't punt him the- to a team in California for while well, that was going. The the other thing is. The interesting thing will come because he's not getting the max, right? They got they got their three guys that are going to be earning the max. So, no. does Giddy, you know, play for that? You know, is he a sort of mid level, mid high mid level player, a really good role player, on a, or does he want to go to somewhere like the Spurs? And you know, it's just it's a really interesting conundrum. And the Timberwolves have a little bit as well, where they've got all these guys that they're paying shitloads of money to, and it's sort of like. Well, you can't do any. You can't trade any of them now because you're thirty and twelve. And when's the last time the Timberwolves have been thirty and twelve? Yeah, but you're going to have to at some point, or you're going to have to think about it at some point. Otherwise, um, Mark Laurie and, and Alex uh, Rodriguez are going to have a big fucking bill coming up. Uh, one of the things that's happened between when we last recorded and now was they went through their death run of teams that were over 500, a ridiculously tough bit of the schedule, and they've come out of it still leading the West. So I think we can put aside the idea that they're not real. This is a very real team. They were they should have beaten OKC today. Um, Anthony Edwards somehow bricked a couple of free throws down, down the stretch, which would have probably at least taken the game against OKC to overtime. But that's the kind of thing that's not a systematic flaw. It's just shit happens in basketball. Sometimes... Two teams are as good as each other, and one of them outplays the other. Pretty much like that um, Nuggets Celtics game the other day. Well, would would you say that the, the the top four in the West have sort of separated themselves a little bit? Like, do you think those four teams are better than the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Kings, and the Suns? Well, definitely better than the Suns. Oh, I, I certainly think now that the Clippers have made their run to where they are, 
because uh, currently they're, they're the, it's anywhere. Minnesota are thirty and twelve. OKC are a game behind. Denver are a game and a half behind Minnesota. And then the Clippers have got within three. And then there's a bit of a gap to New Orleans, Dallas, Sacramento, and Phoenix. And I'm although Phoenix have made a bit of a run recently, I'm not super convinced that that like I could see them making fifth. I and they've won their last four. So I mean, I could see them getting to fifth and you know being within a, a you know a bull's roar of the Clippers. They're better than than the Pels. The Mavs are weirdly hot and cold. Um, I really can't get a beat on them. Sometimes they play just ridiculously good basketball, and sometimes they they cough up a horrible game to the Lakers. And it's impossible to figure because it, it never seems to correlate with you know is Luca playing? Is Luca not playing? Is Kyrie playing well? Is you know the only thing that seems to correlate is whether Dante Exum is playing. Yeah, which is is the ultimate fucking vindication of our long term position that Dante Exum is the truth. Uh, but yeah, they keep losing games where Dante has to sit because his heel hurts, and that's probably not a great indication when you've got two <laughs> two guys like Luca and Kyrie that you need a glue this you know glue guy to to sort of sort. But he's, shit he's out. more than a glue guy because when Kyrie was out, he was Luca's fucking running mate. Yeah, that was running mate. Yeah. But that, but that's what I mean. Like he can do that, but then he can also slot back into being this defensive yeah. guy that can make the extra pass. Like he can sort of do a bit of both because he's played a bit of both. I guess they have enough stuff to be good, and they, I mean they are good. They're twenty four and eighteen. They're the sixth seed in in the West, and they could be better. Mm. But it's I mean the Tim Hardaway is often racking big numbers. Derek Lively, the second tremendous rookie. I mean I would. <laughs> He, he's going to get left out of the Rookie of the Year conversation because, obviously, Chet Wemby. But this dude ha- is a starting centre as a rookie on a contending West t- West team. I mean, if you said that Chet isn't really a rookie because he had that year as a redshirt, you know, to hang around and get used to the thing, I would say Derek Lively, in terms of impact on winning, is probably the Rookie of the Year. But no one is going to actually agree with that shit. Well... And then you can throw the um, the heat guy in there as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, is, or, or yeah. as the Levitard show calls him, one wick. Because is this the strongest rookie class that we've seen since we've done the pod? It's a good one, okay. and next year's going to suck, so uh, save your picks, guys. Well, n- next year's going to suck, but I bet you, you get a Jokic. Not, maybe not a yeah, Jokic, but yeah. a Jokic, uh, like, like a- uh, there'll what, be somebody the, there. There'll be, there'll be a, an all-time great who comes out of that rookie class. It's just that yeah, we what, won't know who it is, and it'll be entirely on development. The, watch the smart teams pick a pudgy European at, at yeah. thirty, and, and, that, and that might be uh, the top of your draft class. They'll right? pick this French kid who's playing in uh, for fucking mm. one of the NBL teams. Yeah, Perth, I think. Yeah, mm. and, and he'll end up being you know fucking you know you'll end up being Rudy Gobert. It's really interesting that there's a whole bunch of European players. Like Europe's already got a a, a strong man's league to play in, but they're going to the NBL. I guess because it's a little easy. Like if you're going there on that style of contract, it's a, a bit easier to get starting minutes. I guess. I, but I was yes, trying to think of that. Two reasons, I think. One, it's easier to get to the NBA from the NBL than it is to get from Euroleague. Yeah. Two, the the Euroleague is a bit more clogged with. Solid professionals, so it's harder to get yeah. time. Whereas if you're a rising, you're on a rising star contract with the NBL, the NBL will time. push the team <laughs> to make sure you have time. There won't be a, yeah. a rising star who is left on the end of a bench because a coach doesn't want to play them because it's impressed upon them by the league. It's in the interest of the league for this person to be played. So, whereas you're not going to get that, you know, if they go to fucking, um, you know, name your mid-table Euroleague team. 
I wasn't going to say yeah. Barca or Real Madrid. I mean, fucking, you know, Benetton Treviso yeah, like or someone. One of the Turkish sides or yeah. like uh, what's the what's the great – is a really good Israeli side. Um, no, there isn't. Fuck those guys. And and that's the other thing with, with European basketball too is like they're on the soccer model, right, where they've got yeah. their own league plus the Euro League and there's probably a lot more games as well as the NBL. Like the NBL is a nice once, once a week sort of thing. Well, what's interesting is that they've actually got the model that the European soccer, the powerhouses would like, where the Euro League is the more important league and the domestic yes. league is sort of the thing that fills in the time, not the other yeah. way around. So uh, th- yeah. they've actually got the Super League that Juventus and Real Madrid and Barcelona would actually like. Uh, I don't know. Like, the, the only other thing is, are the Warriors just going to, you know, toss the grenade into the room and shut the door? And, and only let Steph Curry walk out, or are they, you know, as Steph said, no, no, I'm I'm going to hang with my guys forever. Like you sort of have to do it. I don't think it's a next summer thing. I think you have to do it before the trade deadline. Uh, I can't work out how you fix the dubs. I don't see a way you I trade your way out of it. I don't think you can, right? Because no, no, no one wants Clay. I can see a way. Maybe the Lakers can trade their way out of it because they've they've proven that they've been able to do it in the past, where they can take yeah. a team that's uh, and then fix it to the point where it becomes contender-ish. But I just don't see how you fix this dubs team. They're currently they are fucking eighteen and twenty-two. They are twelfth in the West. They do not look likely. I mean, they're behind Houston, who are almost five hundred. They're behind the Lakers, who are almost 500. They're behind Utah, who are flat 500, having lost to the uh, the Rockets today. Um, their, their little winning streak has come to a bit of a farty end. Um, they're not going to get any higher than ninth at the moment because they are a good five and a half games behind Phoenix in eighth, and Phoenix are only going to go further up. Yeah. How, how do they improve themselves not only on the court but on the, on the fucking ladder? I just don't see it. And the... The Kings could actually trade, you know, upgrade that small forward position and go on a little bit of a run, which would get them further uh, away from. Um, from yeah, like the, it's it's just it's just too hard. Like even even a team like the Rockets, right, that absolutely don't need to tank because they owe their pick to OKC and they're getting a, a, a probably a very good Nets pick. Yeah, you know, they're, they're absolutely going to going to they're going to compete for the play in, and they are. They're they're outside the play and just on games played. Essentially, they have the same winning record as the um as the Lakers. You know what they should do? They should they should offer one of those picks back to the Nets for Bridges. That that would be hilarious. Just say, look, we'll give you we'll give you back a couple of those picks, and then you can bottom out. Just give us just give us Bridges. <laughs> good lord, Br- Bridges was good in the game they beat the Lakers in the the other day. That's the thing about the Lakers. I, 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 the Lakers have a have a milder version of the same problem. They have to figure out how to make their team make sense because on their best day they are tremendous, but their best days are intermittent. Uh, they're four and six in the last ten. That you know, it's it's that's just a. I don't know how they get their shit together. They they're terrible on um, offensive efficiency. Essentially, I think is their main problem, which makes sense. They kind of shunder away. I was just thinking about. Like you know, cap space and Detroit and and Philly have cap space, but who, who are? Is there any good free agent next year? Demar Derozan, I think. Um, you don't. The thing is, with cap space now, you don't use it to sign free agents. You use it to no. trade into now. That you no longer. It's 
someone had a really good term for it. It was it was kind of not it was not quite free agency. It was it was basically a kind of a fake free agency where you trade into your cap space and then you try to re-sign the dude. Essentially, what um, fucking essentially what the Pacers are doing with with Siakam and what the, the Raptors are going to do with Bruce Brown. Sure, I I, under, I understand that way, but. There's really like even the guys that you do would do that for. Uh, it's a pretty. It's not that great a list. No. Um. It's all old guys, really. Thompson, Clay, Tobias Harris, James Harden, Pascal, Gordon Hayward, Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, Buddy Hield, Mike Conley, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie. Like none of those. Oh, D'Angelo Russell's on the next. These are the greatest hits of 2018, aren't they? Really, it's it's a whole bunch of whole bunch of yesterday dudes. Um, Grayson Allen might get paid though. He's he's on fire at the moment for Phoenix. Really enjoying the gravity of those three players being on the floor. Was he not a free agent signing to Phoenix, or was he traded? He was traded. He came oh, from okay. Milwaukee. So he's, he was he's the, he was the bits and pieces. I don't know. I think I think it was the Hoop Collective pod, and, and they literally Phoenix literally didn't know who they were getting. They knew they were getting Nurkic and somebody, but it it, it was like somebody that will. Make the salaries work, but we we don't know who it is. <laughs> could come. That's could fucking. Come from that was handy because Grayson Allen, for yeah. all that he is hated it's, for being, it's a, pretty important at the moment. A dude who looks like Ted Cruz, who who played for Duke, is has been all year. Even when they were garbage, he was one of their best people. He was always yeah. you know putting in, and now they are you know flat middle of the pack on defense, and and they have a fantastic offense, and they just keep winning games of basketball, which is which is really important. Um, if you want to be good. Um, so, I guess D- Detroit really, that cap space is going to be, you know, dumping a Zach Levine-style contract that you don't want. It's going to be a lot somewhere. of that. It's going to be taking yeah. taking on people's mistakes and getting getting first-round picks out of it. The problem is that they have a record of, of being terrible with their own first-round picks and also being terrible with picking up other people's terrible first-round picks, which is why they yeah. had Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman, and a collection of other complete fuckwits on the team at one point. So didn't they trade Marvin Bagley to the Wizards in the least consequential yeah, trade in the history that, of the world? But they had to give them picks. To take that contract that they signed last season. That's this, just ridiculous. This is not how to run a rebuilding team. You are not supposed to drop picks. You are supposed to take on. You're supposed to get more picks. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not great. So the Knicks and the Jazz are getting you back into the Winspool comp. Yeah. And the, the Memphis and the Dubs are ensuring I am not in the Winspool comp. But um, congratulations. It's going to be between you two whiskey drinkers to uh, to see who wins this fucking thing. It's currently Adam is two seventeen and you are two thirteen. Oh, I've come that far back. I hadn't yep. looked for a while. I you, was you've a played a few more games. In fact, you played a you played a lot more games. You played four twenty three and Adam's played four fourteen. The kind of gap that yeah, makes so me think that makes me think um, there's some kind of fuck up in the system. But uh, we had this last year though. Um, yeah, because I was- fucked up. <laughs> Oh, was it? Because at one point, I'd realised I'd fucked up. But no, you, we've all got the right number of teams, so that's not the issue. I think it was someone said the Suns have like you know they played an inordinate. The Suns and the Nuggets are sort of inverse of each other. You know, the Suns have got a lot of away games to come, and the Nuggets yeah. have got a lot of home games to come. Yeah. Um, well, the only team that's, but- that's that's played fewer games at the moment, unfortunately, is the Dubs with with yeah. the sudden death of their um, their assistant coach um, Mil- Milojevic. Who was Jokic's team? He's only, only forty-eight or something, too, 40, wasn't he? Forty-six. I almost threw that in the fucking in the group chat because I know the, 
that there are people in the group chat who are of that age and people in the oh, group chat who are very yes. close to that age. And, uh, and you think, fucking, oh, it's a good time not to be a slightly rotund Serbian man, but you know, you look after your people. And, uh, that was, that's brutal. That's brutal. So this guy was a, was a coach. Um, was a, was a good player in Europe. And then he became a really good coach in, in Serbia. He was, uh, Jokic's coach when Jokic was a teenager, uh, at the, at the club. He, and, and he's churned out a lot of really, really good, um, prospects for who have gone to the NBA. And then he got picked up by the dubs when they were trying to figure out what to do with the, what the, the fuck to do with James Wiseman. Um, so, so much so that the, the Serbian competition is there's a petition at the moment to change the MVP to to be named after the Dejan Mil- like Mil- Milojevic um, trophy. Yeah, he was that important. Yeah, uh, you know, forty six. Yeah, that that's thirty years more of NBA coaching he could have done. Yeah, yeah, and and he only uh, just got there. He'd only just got it. His next gig was probably going to be lead assistant, if not um, if not head coach. And uh, no, nah, uh, he he didn't get that time. So. Um, so that's brutal. Uh, love to him and, and his family and, and the, the dubs. And also um, to Ricky Rubio, who who officially retired uh, a few weeks ago with um, basically his head's caved in. His uh, mental yeah. health has got the best of him, which is which is awful, man. You know, because he's been – he was a team project, prodigy in, a, in the kind of way that Luca was, but this was in the pre-internet era when it was all, you know, VHS tapes and, and chatter on message boards and shit. Um, he's lived his entire life in the spotlight – Kind of being potentially a bit of a disappointment, although any club that he played for, you never really kind of felt he was disappointing because he just seemed like a really good dude who got the best out of the people around him. He, he had that the same thing that Bogut did where he had this huge- He turned into a weird fascist? <laughs> no, not, not that. He had the this weird- oh, no, Not weird, but he had this um, a, a huge amount of hype around him as a young player, yeah. right? I, and Bogut- Like, sort of people forget that Bogut was seen as this- Sort of passing big man, you know, real athlete when he came out of out of college. Yeah, and he was the fucking number had, one pick, wasn't he? Yeah, and then had this horrific injury, you know, really, really bad injury. Um, and who was I? Talk- oh, I was, I was thinking of Maxwell because M- Maxwell, after he broke his leg last year, reckons that he can't do stuff in the field that he's always been able to do. Right? He oh, can't Glenn just Maxwell. explode. I was thinking. Yeah, I was trying to think what. Maxwell, who's he playing? Um, and that's the the same sort of thing, right? Rubio and Bogut were never the same explosive players that they were after the injury, but they were such good thinkers of the game yeah. that they reinvented themselves to be very effective contributing professionals. Yeah, you can't um, you can't injure that vision unless you know had some sort of, unless you had cataracts or something. You've always got yeah. that vision and that time and that. Um, if you've got the ability to thread that pass, you've always got, you, you'll always be around the NBA. But clearly, eventually, it went away from him and he never, he couldn't, I'm assuming he couldn't deal with that. You know, it, it just, yeah. it just, it, it hurt his like, soul. I'll, I'll, I'll always remember that, uh, Olympic final where the, the one where Spain was really, really pushing that, that, that really stacked US side and essentially Kobe had to come back in and do hero ball shit. To bail them out, you know, to bail out a team that yeah. had Dwayne Wade and and LeBron James at sort of their peak of their athletic ability, um, and Rubio was like seventeen or something, you yeah. know, just absolutely dishing shit up. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy to think what he could have been. Well, he had a 
Fuck what? Ten year career as a professional in the NBA. Yeah. Earned a lot of money. Improved every team he was on. He had a lot of time out with injury, but um, yeah, it's a shame. But um, I hope he, I hope he finds, I hope he finds peace. And yeah. I think, and the biggest, the biggest tragedy of all, you know, the, the biggest national crisis uh, that faced, you know, the, the nation of my birth and you, the nation of where you were from was finally set to right with uh, Davy Dum Dum finding his fucking stolen baggy greens. <laughs> Who would have thought they weren't actually stolen, but he left them in another bag? I have to say I have probably not been invested in the cricket as much this summer as I traditionally would be. Um, Like, I know it's a weak weak test year, but, man, some of the narratives, like, you know, the the conspiracy to keep Cam Bancroft out of the side to fit another Western Australian in, it's like- Well, it's it's more that- <laughs> I am sort of the point of why are we shoehorning fucking Steve Smith as opener well, when to, you've already to, got to get, an opener? I guess to get Cameron Green into the side. Yeah, but that, that's what, that what? whole thing. Australia are still chasing the ghosts of Ian Botham and Andrew Flintoff. They're still fucking yeah. terrified by the idea that, all, that an all-rounder will beat them. So they keep trying to manufacture an all-rounder and have a dude who isn't an all-rounder. They've been doing, they tried well, to do this with Ian Harvey and Shane Watson and Andrew Simons before Andrew Simons was ready to be that person. Like, and Mitchell Marsh. Just play but, but an opener at opener and fucking six batsmen. You're going to win. It's the Windies. Who gives a fuck, bro? And the other thing is they've actually, like, they've got an all-rounder that's in form and playing well. Just keep picking him at six. He's good, doing great. You don't need to get another one in there. Yeah, and you also have Patrick Cummins, who apparently can win test matches with a bat and with a ball. So, it, yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be fine. Anyway. Um, all right, Doc. I'm I'm keen to do our our end of year music wrap. I've, I think it's about fucking time. The the, the the streets have been asking. The streets have been saying, oh "When are you cunts going to do your fucking 2023 album review? Is it going to be any time before 2025?" We're the inverse of all the publications, right? Yeah. At least there's a month early. We're a month late. We just yeah. we like to marinate. Yeah. We want to do it once. Nobody gives a single fuck. We, we need to fill up. Basically, we need to fill up January because no new albums come out in January. Anyway, so that is us. Uh, that is the Bulls podcast. That is our sports for the week. Uh, we're glad to be back. I'm Doc. He's Bezo, And we'll talk to you again next week. Catch you on the flip side, Doc. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know.